What can we expect from season You are now entering the courtroom of Judge Brave, a wonderful room where the longest standing pop culture debates of all time are finally settled once and for all to hear. Now please rise for the Honorable Judge Brave as he is now approaching his royal throne. I'm Judge Robert J. Franklin. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to court. Thanks for coming to my wow. court. I'm new, Judge Brave. New judge. Yeah. What do you guys think of my new my new digs? <laughs> Courtroom looks great. It looks different. We're in virtual court, but you know, you have uh the, the costume department is seems like it's in full full swing. Yeah. Swinging like my gavel. Swing yes, yeah, swung swung and hung like like his gavel. You said something about a throne. So is this like a? <laughs> it's a royal. Is this court, some kind of a kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! So that means it's gonna be even a lot of corruption then. A lot of uh, not that it would change. Whatever you say goes, but this is like maybe punishment by by death or something if things go right. wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would not uh, envy you if you lost this case. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yeah. This is the third iteration of Judge Brave. The third. The third set of cases that will be seen uh, in this circuit, this court circuit. I don't really know how the whole circuit system works. This is, you know, it's like the third circuit. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Circuit like, City. I don't know how yeah. that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All these circuits, yeah, exist in Circuit City, which we live in. Comp USA. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess we should uh, kind of introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm presenter Brandon. I am from the, uh, the law firm of two... Two's, Tuzio and Tuzio, uh, one Z and then two Zs. Uh, the families have met and come together to uh, <laughs> to form a, a partnership. And uh, yeah, I, I'm back to being a lawyer this time, and uh, that's me. I'm excited. Well, not really. Did the um, <laughs> the Tuzios who spell their name with three Zs reach out to you? Uh, no, th- that line died in a, oh, in, a, in a natural disaster, actually. What about the T W T W O, and then one Z? Two, the two, the two, that's the future. That's like that's that's the future generation, <laughs> right? Right. They're the okay. next line. Yeah. yeah. And who's next in line? But uh, this guy over here. Oh yeah, real happy to be back to being a lawyer. It worked out well for me last time. Um, God, I'm trying. Was that a year ago? Maybe the last time we did this. It's it's good. Oh, yeah. please don't tell me that's true. I mean, maybe more. I it's it's a while. Yeah, it was like over a year ago. Yeah, it was winter time last time we did it. Right. It was um, oh, when uh, oh. Brandon was judge, the most corrupt judge ever. Um, <laughs> you know, just um, a lot of corruption in that court. Uh, there had to be a mistrial. Really insane, unprecedented stuff. Hopefully, there'll be a more fair and balanced trial. Um, you know, like Fox News, fair and balanced. Well, already, already sucking up oh. to the judge. It's funny um, you said mistrial because I think she's in the front row. <laughs> hey, mistrial, thanks for showing up. Hello. Appreciate your support. 
Yeah, Donald Trump was dropped from the mistrial uh, judging competition this time. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, we're, yeah. we're in charge of that now. exactly so i'm the law firm i think it was <laughs> i didn't uh <laughs> it was like danny daniel and like Leibowitz or something was what <laughs> was the law firm i said yeah. last time something, yeah. so yeah i'm something like that whatever fran Leibowitz was a judge in uh wolf of wall street <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> uh sure some and, pop culture judge trivia <laughs> um no longer practicing Jude Law. I gave that shtick up. It wasn't really working out. Why not? Uh, just, well, there wasn't much money in it, to be honest with you. It's, it was a purely a financial decision. Just sticking to the basics now. Um, gotcha. And I am the Honorable Judge Brave here upon my royal, royal throne. My real name, my birth name is Dave Cologne. And this is my first time on the throne. I've you know, did two separate episodes mm -hmm. as a lawyer, mm -hmm. and I think I won mm -hmm. at least one of my cases, maybe two. Yeah, you won two. I won two. Yeah. I'm the most winningest uh, attorney. You won the Wham, seems. the uh, Ridgely and Hall Notes one. You won that one. Right. And then, I represented Ridgely. And then you won the Will Smith one, I think. That would seem right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. First of all, I'm Judge Brave. They're the, uh, the Attorneyman host bunch. <laughs> right a tournament Brandon yeah. and uh, Dan today yeah. but uh, yeah you know it's very simple we uh, there's so many debates you have with your your loved ones your cousins about things in pop culture who's the best rapper who has the best hair in Hollywood stuff like that <laughs> we handled those cases <laughs> that you've been fighting over for the last you know, de few decades, and we're finally deciding them. Yeah, you know, uh, right. in this courtroom. Very common conversations that a lot of people have. Yeah, <laughs> right. But <laughs> what we're doing, we have a couple of cases here today. We're, well, at least we have one, um, for sure. <laughs> and uh, it's a great one. It's a big, big, major one. It, wouldn't you say a lot of people's lives are at stake uh, with this case? Yeah. yeah, one of them in a lot more ways than others. Than the other, one of them, and way more than, than the other. So really That's not even, right. really not even close. Because uh, <laughs> we're taking, <laughs> we're taking on um, two major disaster films of the '90s, 1996's Twister and 1997's Volcano. And in our first case, we are going to figure out which is the bigger disaster: is it Twister or is it Volcano? Yeah. Yep. And uh, Brandon is representing 1996's Twister, starring Helen Hunt, mm -hmm. uh, Bill Paxton, Carrie Yules, and Jamie Gertz. And it's a, um, a film that focuses on a group of storm chasers trying to deploy a tornado research device during a severe outbreak in Oklahoma. It was directed by Jan de Bant and... Uh, Written by Michael Crichton and Anne Marie Martin, executive produced by Steven Spiel. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure you guys are, you might be familiar with that movie. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. It's very good. It's a very, well, I don't want to say very good. <laughs> it it's is. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie. Great movie. Classic movie. <laughs> it is certainly a classic. And then we have Volcano. That film is being represented by. Daniel over here. It came out in 1997, and it stars Tommy Lee Jones, Anne Aish, 
Don Cheadle, <laughs> Keith David, and Gabby Hoffman. And uh, basically, uh, there's this volcano that is uh, erupting underneath downtown Los Angeles. And Tommy Lee and his friends are trying to uh, stop it from continuing to flow and uh, destroy the great city of L.A. Wouldn't you say? (laughs) I would say that that's... (laughs) I would say that that's what the movie is about. It was directed by Mick Jackson, and it was written by Jerome Armstrong and Billy Ray. It was even a disastrous time explaining it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it could have been worse. Sure. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> now, I viewed both of these films this week to familiarize myself with you guys' clients. So don't try to pull any fast ones on me. I'm, I'm very well-versed in these films. So... Don't start bringing up scenes from Dante's Peak. <laughs> if I see Pierce Brosnan, I know you're you're trying to uh, pull a fast one on me. Yep. Right. Common uh, misconception. Uh, Sharknado. Don't bring up Sharknado either. Don't bring up Sharknado. If I see a shark, <laughs> if I see a shark instead of a cow, I know that uh, Brandon's trying to. <laughs> the fool Wizard me. of Oz. Right. I got. Yeah. I got yeah. you. Although there is a Dorothy reference, uh, a major Dorothy reference right. in Twister, so. If you bring up Wizard of Oz, it's very clever. I might allow it. Yeah, I might allow it. It's very clever from such a great film. <laughs> so what we're gonna do now is each attorney man will deliver an opening statement on behalf of their client, and then we will go back and forth with three bits of evidence from each side, and finally wrap with closing statements and a decision, final decision from me, Judge Brave, the Honorable One. Yes. So, what do you think? Let's start it. Yeah, it's your, it's your court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I also want to say that uh, I see that you two didn't dress appropriately for court over here, so that's not a great thing to do to uh, impress the judge. Just letting you know. Oh, shit. This judge can be bought. <laughs> No, I'm not being bought. I'm just saying it's the respectful thing to do. I might get a little grouchy uh, sooner. And then also I want to say these are two disaster films, but I um, I wish you guys nothing but success. <laughs> so let's get it on. Why don't we hear from uh, Big Danny? I mean, he's a seasoned uh, lawyer at this point. Let's hear what he does. Let's hear your opening statement from... Big Danny representing uh, 1997's Volcano. Uh, for the record, me and Brandon have been a lawyer now the exact same amount of times. So <laughs> both the exact same season, same seasoning. So not to correct you, Judge. I apologize. I don't but, know. Well, but, you taste different right. to, to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. I will... Uh, like I said the last time we did this, I'll keep this short, but then I didn't. Uh, this time I actually will keep this short and sweet. The 20 the two S's. Okay. <laughs> the 2010 Haiti earthquake. Hurricane Sandy. Carrot Top. 9-11. Waterworld. Mickey Rourke's face after 1990. Firefest, 
volcano. These all have a common theme, and it's disaster. And I feel strongly today that common sense will prevail when it comes to comparing the 1997 Flick Volcano to the 1996 cinematic masterpiece, Twister. Volcano is absolutely a bigger disaster in many ways that I will be displaying today. And Brandon, I hope your paperwork and process really do you well. You're going to need it. (laughs) Thank you. That was SNS, uh, presenter Dan. So I appreciate you being faithful to what you brought up earlier. That goes a long way. You didn't lie. That goes a long way in my courtroom, unlike others' (coughs) courtrooms. Um, So great stuff. Um, Why don't we hear from Brandon with his opening statement uh, on behalf of 1996's Twister. Uh, Thank you, Judge Brave. Thank you to uh, Big Danny. colleague on the other I guess I'm Big Danny side of the <laughs> no choice the no choice now I'm Big Danny this episode um, I'd like to say thank you um, for helping make my opening statement short and sweet because uh, I couldn't agree with you more um, and which is what which is the exact grounds for my argument that uh, Twister is a great movie it's a better movie than Volcano Volcano is not a good movie um, but it's it's indisputable that there's more destruction in Volcano it does a better job at being a disaster movie than Twister does. Twister is trying too hard to be a good movie, and that's why Twister the movie is the bigger disaster. Thank you. That's my opening statement. Whoa. He spun that on you, Danny. Much like his movie's natural disaster. What a spin. <laughs> a lot of spinning. A lot of spinning. Cycloning. And that was even more SNS than your opening statement. So. Can't deny that. Big Danny. <laughs> Got my work cut out for me. Uh, Wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> well, this is exciting, though. This is exciting. Can um, we take a recess, actually? I really, I got to I need like, I'm going to need like a few hours to really think about uh, this. Okay, now. yeah. We'll take, a f- we'll take a few hour recess and come back at uh, midnight tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. No, let's do it. This is going to be great. Don't worry, Big Danny. You, This is your third case. No, your second case. Wait, is it your third case or second case? Case? Third fifth. case. Fifth. No, third. Sorry. Third. This is your third case. Third. You got this. It's Brandon's also. It's Brandon's third case also. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> I know, but you're the one who needs encouragement. All right. That's true. All right. So, Big Danny, the opening statements have been unleashed. Now we go to the segment uh, of the evidence. Each uh, attorney will have three bits of evidence to share with us um, to help pack their case for vacation. So why don't we hear from your first bit of evidence, uh, Mr. Danny? Big Danny? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have to correct you now. Stay consistent. It's Big Danny. <laughs> Big case. Okay. okay. All right. Evidence. Um, yes, that delayed gavel <laughs> was for uh, Danny saying to correct me. No, no, no. Not in my courtroom. 
no one's correcting <laughs> me. Um, to quote the great Eric Cartman, you will, you will respect my authority in this courtroom. <laughs> uh, apologies. Accepted. Thank, Accepted. Thank you, Judge Go Brave. forth with your evidence. Okay. So, I agree with, uh, with Brandon. I mean, we're talking about films here, right? We're talking about the movie Volcano versus the movie... Are we? Twister. Yes, that's what we agreed on. <laughs> Don't do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're talking about the movie Twister versus the movie Volcano. And let's start with the events within the film, Volcano. Let's start with within the movie universe, okay? The events within the film Volcano depict the natural disaster occurrence of a volcano erupting. Within this film, this is absolutely a bigger disaster than anything that happens in Twister. <laughs> okay. A volcano emerges out of the La Brea tar pits in Los Angeles following multiple earthquakes. The lava flows out from the volcano and onto the surface and heads west on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Major, major street, major boulevard in Los Angeles. They eventually barricade it with concrete used for traffic as well as multiple vehicles and really anything they can find after it flows uh, for a few blocks. Within this time, we're already talking about damage in the hundreds of millions of dollars to a significant piece of West LA. There's a few hundred people hurt by now, many are dead, lava bombs are also exploding and launching from the volcano and landing on roads, houses, cars, causing various fires. Then, after they think it's over, it turns out they really didn't consider during this time that the lava was probably flowing underground through the sewers and subway, subway lines as well, which it turns out it was in a major way. Underground, the entire infrastructure of West LA is being destroyed, as well as the lives of more people and the trains being lost and tons more injured. At the end of the film, after they complete the full controlled demolition of a 50-story building within 20 minutes to create a dam to divert the lava into a canal which flows into the Pacific, a disaster of a plan because it would never actually work or be able to pull it off in time. The reporter on the news says that 100 are dead, damage is in the billions, and thousands are injured. That's just what this uh, L.A. reporter said uh, on, on television. Based on the scale of what we just witnessed in the film and the fact that there's no way he could have exact figures the same day that this event occurred, it's likely an underestimation of what really happened. But still, those are significant numbers we're talking about. So overall, in 1997, <clears throat> L.A. County had a population of about 9.1 million. This is 1997 figures. At the, at the very least... All of these people were affected in some way. It's 9.1 million people because the power went out in the entire city. So that's affecting everyone in the city of Los Angeles in, in some way. Could be a minor way, some certainly right. a more major way, but they're all affected. So we're talking about over 9 million people just affected. The people affected the worst by injury or death or homes being destroyed. That could be more focused in West LA. And according to Tommy Lee Jones' character in the film, Rourke, that's 1 million people, he says it in the film. So numbers-wise, there's really no comparison here between the events of Twister and the events of Volcano. Volcano, this is the much bigger disaster. Let's not forget also that this was a global news story and would be an event remembered and studied forever. 
This would change everything for geologists. It would affect city planning across the globe and would likely take the city of LA years to fully recover. Think about the think about like the structural damage from Hurricane Sandy, for example, what that did to public transit for many years. With LA, you would have to redo everything underground, and I can't even fathom what that means for the city's infrastructure in general. Twister depicts multiple tornadoes causing damage and affecting lives, no doubt, but the scale isn't even close. The annual tornado season in Tornado Valley ever been a news story outside of that part of the country? Can you recall any time in your life tornadoes making national news, let alone international news? I think not. They're part of regular everyday life for people in that part of the country. This was a volcano eruption in Los Angeles, making the events of the movie to Volcano a much bigger disaster. Thank you. Yeah, you came with the data. I would say that you came with uh, a big eruption of data. <laughs> One question I have for you is, um, and this might help your case, actually. Um, why isn't the film called Two Earthquakes and a Volcano? <laughs> <laughs> I think, just marketing-wise, it's too clunky of a title. I think you too got to get butts in the seats. It's a movie true uh, it's too clunky they kept it the focus is the volcano most of the movies about the volcano but yeah other disasters do occur like the earthquakes leading up to it okay so it could have been a possibly even bigger disaster if they named it two earthquakes and a volcano as a film uh, yeah which is my next piece yeah. of evidence yes i agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly yes and another question i have for you is why does la even ha have um underground subways <laughs> sounds like a new york thing to me Turns out L.A. does. Who knew? I didn't know that. That's uh, pretty, pretty wild stuff. Okay, so um, thank you for your first piece of evidence. Daniel, we'll bring it on over to uh, the former judge, Brave Brandon, for his first bit of evidence. Proceed. Uh, thank you. I'd like to submit a piece of evidence uh, here. I would like to submit a clip oh. from, the f from the film uh, Twister. Okay. All right, so here is a clip uh, from the opening sequence of Twister. Come on, sweetie. Come on, honey, Don't be scared, Joe. Mama's got you. Mama's got you. TV says it's big by being at five. We're going to the storm cell. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is from the opening sequence of uh, <laughs> the movie Twister. Okay. And they're running in the, into the basement, and the father says, <laughs> the, TV, the TV said it's going to be big. It's going to be an F5. Okay, Whoa. so this this opening scene takes place in 1969. The problem with that is that the fujita scale wasn't even created until 1971. Wow. What Twister tries to do this whole movie is is tries to be a legitimate movie. It tries to be a good movie based around science, and they can't even get a basic fact right that the fujita scale that categorizes the strength of these storms wasn't even created yet at the time that this movie takes place. They, they did not embrace the nature and the, the environment of a, of a disaster film. They're trying too hard to be a good movie and failed. Wow. Thank you. Now, they were so close, too. That's, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, they could have. They were only two years off from yeah. being accurate. They could have just set the movie two years later than it was. Wow. That is a good point. That is a good point. Well said. I, I have no objection. That's facts are facts. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
What can we do? That was good. <laughs> is, is that it, Brennan? That's, 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 <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's all that's we piece, had. That's, that's that was, my piece of evidence. It was quick. It was to the point. We understood it. I mean, it's facts. You can't argue with facts. <laughs> hey. I mean, these days you can. <laughs> not in this courtroom. Not though. Not in this courtroom. This courtroom is all about truth. All right. <laughs> Brand, uh, I mean, Dan, Big Danny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> evidence part two. We're waiting for it. There's a lot of anticipation. Will he fuck it up? Will he do good? <laughs> um, Thank you, Judge, I guess. Will, will he fuck it up? <laughs> well, uh, for my next piece of evidence, I went in... Almost the exact same direction as Brandon just went in. <laughs> okay. Um, so first piece of evidence, I went into the movie. I went into the disasters of the, the movie universe, right? What happened right. there? Mm-hmm. Let's get into the movie as a piece of, let's say fiction. Yeah, fiction. As a piece of fiction. As a the movie as, Uh-oh. let's call it art or logic. Wait, hold on, Danny. I just said this is a courtroom of facts and truth <laughs> and now you're bringing up fiction <laughs> this won't please me danny <laughs> i will do my best judge you make a very good point even though we're talking about two movies that aren't based on anything truthful but i'll do anything okay i'll do my best here okay Does a volcano and a twister not exist in our our realm you took reality. the words right out of my mouth i'm gonna say that now okay okay all right go okay. proceed proceed okay as a viewer of the movie Volcano, you are led to believe that the events that take place could actually happen. Sure, the movie isn't based on a true story, but it is grounded in reality. This is different than going to see your common superhero movie, where you know going in that people with superpowers don't exist, or uh, Harry Potter, which is based on a fictional universe with wizards and werewolves. <laughs> oh, hold on. Harry Powder? <laughs> yeah, what's Harry Powder? <laughs> what? I don't know what that is. I don't. You just said Harry Powder. No, I didn't. I said Harry Potter. <laughs> you did. So it sounded like I said. It sounded like Listen, I said Harry Powder. <laughs> I think you said Harry po- Powder, which to me sounds like a more compelling character to me. So, uh, I'm gonna write that down. I was watching Goodfellas this morning, and it's when he, yeah, it's yeah. when he goes to college and discovers wizard drugs. <laughs> okay, I guess I got to keep saying Harry po- Harry Powder now. Um, okay, so let let me get back into my point, please. This is different. I like it because it reminds me of my powdered wigs. Uh, as a judge, <laughs> I often wear. <laughs> so I I'm confused about like the universe that you as a judge live in, like. <laughs> So are we talking like 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 a kingdom like an actual kingdom from like the middle ages or but now you're talking about powdered wigs what what like what decade what century we're getting into It's an all-encompassing realm <laughs> we uh we look back to the past for our fashion uh um and king royalty <laughs> Okay. Is that clear? It isn't. Is it a clear response? <laughs> no. No, but thank you, Judge. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, sorry. Appreciate it. Hey, anyway, I, I should be asking the questions here. Is there uh, anything? Proceed. Uh, okay. With your evidence. All right. So I'm going to start the whole thing over again because I, I, I need to. <laughs> so, as a viewer of the movie Volcano, you are led to believe that the events that take place could actually happen. Sure, the movie isn't based on a true story, but it is grounded in reality. 
this is different than going to see your common superhero movie where you know going in that people with superpowers don't exist or Harry Powder, which <laughs> is based which is based on a fictional universe with wizards and werewolves that are friendly professors and don't want to rip your limbs off. The the president of Fox 2000 Pictures even said in promoting the film, I am a native Angelino. This is a town that continues to surprise. It's a real quote from the president of Fox 2000 Pictures. Uh, earthquakes are a common occurrence in the Los Angeles area where volcanoes, where Volcano, the movie, takes place. And volcanoes are very much related to earthquakes and vice versa. We live in a world where volcanic eruptions happen and volcanoes certainly exist. So why not in Los Angeles? A place, again, where natural disasters like earthquakes do occur. Also, according to a review by the LA Times, an impromptu poll outside a Westwood screening of the movie Volcano found about half of those interviews of those interviewed saying they thought something like the film's eruption eruption could happen in LA. There was a poll taken outside of the movie where half of the people thought the eruption could really happen in LA. Oh. Except the movie Volcano is a bigger disaster than Twister because it makes no sense and has little to no logic. It's an illogical disaster. It's a movie based on something studied immensely in the scientific and geologic community and abandons any actual geology and science. In the film, the principal geologist, played by Anne Heche, suggests that the volcano in question was, in fact, a spontaneous formation, which is quite simply impossible as the process of formation for volcanoes takes millions of years eruptions are preceded by a number of indicators that often register on very delicate instruments that are strategically positioned throughout at-risk areas all active volcanoes are carefully monitored and analysts would be aware of a problem almost instantly so there's really no scenario that a certified geologist would have a hard time convincing someone in Rourke's Tommy Lee Jones position to evacuate the city. Most volcanoes, especially those that could potentially pose a threat to a populated region, are monitored with a device called a synthetic aperture radar, which is capable of detecting even the most subtle changes in the slope of a volcano. Volcanic eruption is by no means a subtle process but it is always preceded by a series of gentle fluctuations that typically provide researchers with dependable data indicating whether a full eruption is likely. Volcanoes also don't just develop just anywhere. They usually form in regions that are described as subduction zones, where there is a tectonic plate (laughs) moving underneath another one closer to the surface. This movement releases magma, which accounts for the theatrical lava flows displayed so prominently in the movie. However, there are, there are no such subduction zones that are anywhere close to Los Angeles. The filmmaker has amalgamated the viewer's probable familiarity with the regularity of seismic events in California in order to subsequently legitimize the appearance of a volcano. There are volcanoes in California, but none are anywhere near the San Andreas fault line, which runs right under Los Angeles. Natural disasters are commonly associated with a formidable cost that is representative of a level of damage that extends far beyond what the eye can typically perceive. In the film, Dr. Barnes and Heche, her first encounter with this emerging volcano is her discovery of what amounts to an underground lava tube. As she explores the sewer system below the pavement, she realizes that lava is essentially flowing just beneath the city streets all over the city, 
Yet the danger only becomes pressing once the lava emerges to the street level. In reality, the brunt of the damage would have been to the city's infrastructure, the majority of which resides beneath the city's streets. By the time the lava reaches the surface in the context of the film, for example, the more significant and costly damage had already occurred. In one scene, Dr. Barnes encounters hot lava running through a sewer pipe and then later down a street. In either case, the incredible temperature of the lava would have destroyed the subterranean infrastructure well beyond repair. It's an incredibly misguided focus. I'm sorry. Do you, I'm sorry. Are you not a fan of facts like you just said earlier, Judge Brave? Am I boring you with the facts here? Sorry, I just, just dozed off a little bit. Uh, proceed. Okay. Some quicker illogical point. No, I'm trying to make a point that there is literally nothing Brandon can say that tops the Ill- illogical disaster that is that is volcano. Listen, I, ha- I have. I, you're right. I have hours of this. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> Some quicker illogical points also include. Lava would have to flow uphill if it were actually following the streets listed in the movie. So they, they dodge gravity. They avoid gravity in the movie Volcano. The methane and other gases visibly boiling up in the La Brea tar pits and routinely seen every day by Angelinos and tourists alike are the result not of volcanic processes, but of the subterranean decay of organic material. The movie displays a complete absence of scale. Also, the fire trucks and freeway barrier shown stopping the lava in its tracks would be completely unable to do so. It's impossible. Assuming a volcanic eruption continued. Some scientists point out that on occasion lava has been diverted, but only with much more powerful weapons and the expenditure of millions and millions of dollars. 1973, for example, a volcano near Jaime, Iceland, sent lava toward the town. It halted after large ships equipped with powerful pumps sprayed millions of gallons of seawater over it. But some analysts believe this was successful only because of volcanic eruption was tailing off. Bottom line, Volcano is a much bigger disaster than Twister because it's an illogical disaster. This movie makes no sense. This could never, ever happen in real life. Thank you. I hope that was enough facts, which is what you guys want. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I wish we had Bill Nye, the science guy, to uh, explain what was going on. It would have been more uh, entertaining. <laughs> Not here to entertain. I'm here to win. <laughs> Just like I should have with three men and a baby. Because, again, there I provided data and facts there, too. But that wasn't good enough that time. All right. Um, now, I have a qu- few questions. You said that they used delicate instruments to help them find out the severity of the volcano. Uh, so like, what are we talking about here? Like uh, ukulele, <laughs> harp. I was waiting for which one it was going to be. <laughs> what kind of instruments are we talking here? Delicate instruments uh, what are we talking here? You don't have to answer that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also wasn't talking about what they do in the movie. I'm saying what they do in real life. That's, uh, they, they fair u- enough. Like, they use those things to determine... A volcano eruption well in advance. It's, it's right. The whole movie's impossible. Okay. It's an impossible. It's illogical. Um, another question I have for you is, at one point you said, like, something that sounded like seduction to me. <laughs> it was subduction? Was that the real word you said? Yes. Um, okay. Because I was, like, kind of, like, zoning out, and then you said seduction, and I got, like, uh, interested in it again. So... It's a pity that it wasn't called seduction. It's subduction zones. Yeah, I thought there were seduction zones like that are luring in people so the volcano can kill them. 
Sounds exciting. And erotic. True. <laughs> that would have helped your uh, case if it was called subduction <laughs> zones. <laughs> okay. Instead of subduction <laughs> co- zones. But anyway, uh, thank you for your evidence. It was very fact-based, and uh, I do appreciate that. Um, now, why don't we bring it on over to evidence part two for Brandon's Twister. Sure. So once again, uh, Big Danny kind of set, like kind of teed me up for my next point where he said, like, I can't possibly, you know, like defend Twister against Volcano because of how illogical Volcano is. And, and he's he's exactly right. Like, but that's that's the problem with Twister is that we can't hold an audience to this standard to believe that there's no suspension of disbelief in a disaster film. And, and the problem with Twister is... Uh, let me, let me let me step back again. If people went into Volcano and thought that that was real and possible, that's not the fault of the movie. That's like saying that people who play first-person shooters can go out and shoot guns. Like we can't like we can't equate these things to one another. Volcano doesn't do anything to offer what you should do in that scenario because it's so unrealistic. That's the problem with Twister is that it gives so many instances of what people should do in that scenario that are all wrong. They hide under bridges. They go in the big empty hangar. They sit in their car. So many people saw this movie. This was the second highest grossing movie of the year. It has a higher rating than all of the other disaster flicks, and it actually gives bad info. So someone coming out of that Uh movie, they don't have to have the suspension of disbelief of could it happen because they're like, you know what? This is so realistic. They're presenting me such a realistic thing, and now I know what to do in this scenario. But guess what? That's not what you should do in that scenario, and that's a disaster. Now, is that it? Yeah. Now, do you have any hard data uh, (laughs) of actual deaths that resulted uh, after a person watched the movie Twister and then in real life was, you know, next to a Twister or a t- tornado coming to them. And then they did one of the tactics used in the film to protect the people in the film. Did they use those tactics and then lose their lives? Is there any evidence of lost lives uh, due to false information uh, shown in the film? Um, I did numbers. I didn't do. I didn't look for those numbers because for me, it's the germ of the idea that is the danger. If somebody walks away from a volcano, fearing that's possible, sure, that's a dangerous idea because it's it's false. But an even more dangerous idea is that you think you know what to do and that you don't have to actually do any more research or follow up to see what you should do. And I think that's a more dangerous idea. Right, but there's no proof of, uh, no. of it actually uh, causing any. No, uh, but there's no proof. Real life. No, no. Okay, but you know, I think that in the nature of disaster films are that there's a suspension of disbelief. Armageddon, drilling on a meteor, like we're seeing a movie. We can't fault an audience for uh, for how they interpret a fault, uh, a fault, a fault, of, uh, a fault. The, yeah, the yeah. environment. Yeah, fault so that's line. why fault line, fault line, fault line. Fault of the yeah. fall of the line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, fair a- enough. I like the point. Uh, I did wish you had a one or two. Uh, Actual hard <laughs> evidence in your uh, pocket to really push your sure. point forward, but no, I think anyway. that that would have been too boring if Brandon came prepared with like a lot of facts. <laughs> I, you know, I applaud Brandon here. It would have been way too boring. <laughs> I hope Brandon wins. <laughs> I'm just thinking it could it could be conjecture here, saying uh, it actually uh, led to harm to the viewers. Okay, so let's go to. The 
third piece of evidence from Big Danny. Um, he has a lot to make up for for his last two. Um, so <laughs> I'm kidding, Danny. Okay. I'm, put, I'm just this is what this is like courtroom humor. We're just taking we're doing little jabs here. You're doing a great job. I wish you nothing but success for your disaster film. What is this? What is this? The show Night Court. <laughs> Love that show. Yeah, so go ahead. Do your third piece of ev- evidence. We are very uh, anticipation for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Judge. <laughs> so we've talked about how the events in the movie are a bigger disaster than Twister. We've talked about how the logic of the movie itself bigger disaster than, than Twister. My third and final point before my closing statement. Volcano is... Sorry, you said we talked about this. In my memory, you talked about it. Okay, we could. And me and Brandon and the rest of the courtroom was just listening. So, don't pretend like it was some kind of conversation. Okay, sorry. Proceed. Can we actually go back to the stenographer uh, <laughs> for that, and for Harry Powder too? I don't think I said that twice either. <laughs> Never mind. All right. So. My not our third, my third, one person. <laughs> thank you, thank uh, you. It is a law firm, but it's a firm of one. <laughs> my final point here is that volcano is a bigger critical disaster than Twister. Ooh. Got more data here too. All right, bring it on. Starting with Rotten Tomatoes, volcano has a fifty percent from reviewers and a thirty-two percent audience score. Metacritic, 55 Metascore, 5.9 user score. I know Brandon likes Metacritic, so I made sure to include that as well. (laughs) Twister has a 59% reviewer uh, percentage of Rotten Tomatoes with a 58% audience score, higher in both, whereas Metacritic goes 68 and Metascore and 7.2 user score, again, higher in both. So... To take a small yet meaningful sample size, here's a review of Volcano from themoviereport.com. While Mick Jackson's film certainly is a technical achievement, there's not much here in the writing department. Tommy Lee Jones is a workaholic emergency worker who loves his daughter, Gabby Hoffman, and Haish is a geologist on hand to lend her scientific expertise. Don Cheadle answers emergency calls. Uh, those descriptions completely sum up their roles. They aren't people. They're mere objects to stick in front of the flowing lava. Any attempts to elicit some emotion from the audience fall flat on their faces, not only because there are no fleshed-out characters, but because they are just plain cornball, in parentheses, most notably a sappy, gag-inducing moment where people of various ethnicities are covered with gray ash, thus looking all the same. I had that clip prepared. I'm going to show that in a little bit here. I never thought I'd say this twice, let alone once in my lifetime, but the lame writing here by Jerome Armstrong and Billy Ray makes one yearn for the comparatively rich characterizations and relationships in Michael Crichton and Anne-Marie Johnson's script for Twister. Wow. So that's a review from themoviereport.com at the end comparing... Oh, okay. The last part, all of that was from the from the movie report. The whole thing was from the moviereport.com. That was one review. Whoa. So yeah. they even even the critic compared it to to Twister. Yes. 
The critic compared it to Twister. Amazing. And said, I um, thought you, I thought you were quoting. No, no, no. You were quoting yourself the, at the end. This entire thing is from the moviereport.com. Wow. Small sample size, but a meaningful one. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to set a couple things up here to go off of what this uh, reviewer has been saying. Um, let's see here. So, to set this up, do you see this uh, white police officer with a mustache? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, he's a very racist-looking white cop in the in the middle um, of the eruption earlier in the movie. He decides to put handcuffs on an African-American guy who's just trying to get help from firefighters to go over to his neighborhood a few blocks away because their homes are on fire. So that's something that happened earlier in the movie. He arrested um, an African-American gentleman who was just trying to get the fire trucks and the firefighters over to his neighborhood to put out the fire in his neighborhood. He thinks that this guy's harassing the firefighters, so he puts handcuffs on him to arrest him in the middle of a volcano. So just... Racist cop, totally misguided priorities during a volcano, and he was just trying to help his neighborhood. So this is uh, the scene once um, the main lava has been has been put out. And this kind of goes into what the reviewer from the movie report uh, was talking about a little bit. He was more focused on the end of the movie, but this kind of goes into that too. Chief, yeah. they need some help over on uh, Stanley. Structural fires, residential. Miller, get your engine over to Stanley. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's my bus. Hey, good luck. You too, man. Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Pay attention here. And the salute. No, he isn't. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's only because of... There's more context needed for the movie, I'll be honest there. It's only because of this other guy stepping in that he even bothered to... Anyway, look, it's just a... It's a clumsy and clunky racial harmony subplot that they decided to throw in this movie, Volcano. Just adding to the fact that this is a critical disaster... Um, so it sounds like a moral. Seems like a moral disaster too. Sure, absolutely. And to just continue with the specific part that um, the reviewer mentioned on moviereport.com. Here's the end of the movie, which can, which finalizes <laughs> yeah, the racial harmony insane. subplot that they were going for in this movie. <laughs> with nearly a hundred dead thousands injured and damage in the billions this crisis has surely touched every one of us let's go find your mom what she look like she looks like <laughs> <laughs> look at their faces <laughs> they all look the same <laughs> <laughs> so I guess racism is solved because the racist <laughs> yeah a volcano the, cons- yeah. the racist cop came to his senses when it was convenient for him 
and the lava had stopped flowing. You're just not going to see anything this dumb in Twister. <laughs> Adding to this disaster of a movie that, that is Volcano, this really dumb racial harmony subplot where uh, Keith David asks a little kid at the end, let's find your mom, what does she look like? And he says, look at everyone's faces, they all look the same. <laughs> I rest my case. They're all covered in volcanic ash. They're all ash. covered in volcanic ash. People of different ethnic groups all it's, <laughs> being it, represented it, in the it's film. It's just a very poorly executed thing, at like a racial harmony. It's it's very dumb and very bad and, and, and unnecessary in, in this movie. It didn't help anything. Well, okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's pretty strong. That was, that was pretty strong, uh, Dan. You got you to gotta admit it. You might have uh, come together at the, at the end there. Right. More facts. For the victory Again. for the big V. <laughs> All right, so why don't we take it on over to Brandon's final <coughs> bit of thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Evidence. Uh, that's it. Uh, I actually also had the Metacritic and the Rotten Tomatoes scores pulled up here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the same thing to, to help my point. Um, that, uh, that disaster movies are supposed to be bad. Disaster movies are supposed to be d disasters. Uh, I'm going to pull up uh, an award. Here's my piece of evidence. Um, this is from the the 18th Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> I, I saw this. Okay. <laughs> An award that didn't exist in, in the year of Twister, but did exist in the year of Volcano. <laughs> Worst reckless disregard for human life and public property. Okay? Worst okay. reckless disregard for human life and public property. Volcano was nominated for that. The Volcano has insane disregard for human life and public property. Twister has five tornadoes and, what, three deaths? That's terrible. That's a bad job at being a disaster movie. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like... It, it it's just it's who cares about this romance? Twister did a, a an unfair job at representing to the masses what disaster films are. Thank you. Wow, Brandon again with the succinct point. Yeah, sink is right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to applaud him for his uh, brevity or uh, shame him for clearly not doing that much work. <laughs> Cannot explain how long it took me to do this. <laughs> now, he gets a lot of points for being clever here, which I always appreciate. Because clearly he had... Well, I, actually, let's go to the final arguments here, and then I'll, I'll do my little rap. But go ahead, Dan. I want to hear your final argument for why Volcano is a bigger disaster than Twister. The floor is yours for a final time. Sure. Um, well, something I didn't even really feel the need to mention, but I guess I can I can mention it now. Um, Volcano is just a bigger financial disaster as well in terms of movie business. Um, that's like another Ooh. way it's a bigger disaster. I mean, it grossed $47.5 million selling 10,358, 779 tickets. 
Twister grossed two hundred and forty-one million dollars, six hundred. So, a much bigger hit uh, than Volcano. And um, I don't have the budgets in front of me, to be fair, but I imagine it's similar budgets. Making Volcano um, a bigger financial disaster as well as a movie just wasn't nearly as popular. And to make a big budget disaster movie, you've got to sell a lot more tickets than that to be considered a, a true success, making this also another disaster. Um, and then also I already talked about the financial damage in the movie itself, which was bigger mm-hmm. too. So the finances come to play yet again. Um, Look, um, I agree with Dave. I think, you know, Brandon just really didn't come prepared. I, th- you know, I was expecting a lot more from him. Just, you know, he's a master of lit of uh, paperwork and process. I think he's just more into the act of preparing than, than, than doing, which I, I, that's, that's what I think happened here. I think he's just more into like, or maybe it's just like a stack of papers, but there's nothing on them that he was like messing around with for multiple days. I think that also could have happened too here. That's what it seemed like happened. Um, it could be like the shining, you know, like when like they reveal like <laughs> yeah. what he's been writing the whole time. It's yeah. all the same sentence over and over again yeah, on a bunch yeah. of, on a huge stack of paper. Yeah. He likes the paper, but he doesn't like the work. It seems. Right. Correct. And look, bottom line, <laughs> Volcano is is a disaster. The the events that happen in the movie are on a much bigger scale. They're much bigger disasters. Tornadoes are a frequent occurrence in um in, you know, and there's like what they're going in the movie Twister, what they're going through, what they're examining, these aren't like freak things. These aren't like freak occurrences. These are common everyday things. Volcano in Los Angeles is a disaster because that's there's no preparation for it. It's spontaneous. It causes way more damage. It's a it's a global news story. It's a global event. Um, probably affects the entire Earth in some way. A new volcano forming like that. I mean, tornadoes are are severe. They affect lives, but just not nearly as big as the scale as volcano. Um, and then the movie itself is just a bigger disaster because it's not as good. Twister is great. We've talked about it on the podcast before. It's a very enjoyable movie. Volcano is unintentionally funny. I, that make, making it like a di- <laughs> like a disaster of a movie like that that's a disaster it's a disaster in several ways whereas twister i don't really know that you could even really call it a disaster it's a disaster movie but it's not a bigger disaster than volcano thank you okay thank you uh dan for that final statement now let's take it on over to brandon for his final statement why twister is the bigger disaster than volcano um yeah i mean i didn't expect to have to include a little bit of section of defending my litigation and my team and my approach (laughs) and my preparation (laughs) and your closing arguments you know i i did the work i did the research i just can't help that you made all the points for me big danny i can't help that (laughs) most of the prep i did wound up coming out of your lips and uh you know (laughs) Uh, helping you you helping build my case because I don't have to disagree with you. I've been on the same page with you. Everything you've said is is I agree with. Volcano is a worse movie. There is so much more disaster in that movie, more destruction. It's a worse financial uh, failure in terms of the movie. But again, when you look at disaster movies of the past, Crack in the World, 2012, Armageddon, Heat Wave, Hard Rain, Tychus, Geostorm. You don't know these movies. They're bad, schlocky movies. And Twister is a bad representation of what that genre is. Three people died. 
yes, of course we value these lives, but that's just not what should happen on the scale of five giant tornadoes, which they couldn't even get scientifically correct. A movie that's trying so hard to be grounded in a scientific viewpoint to say we're actually offering a solution. That's the point of this movie is to have a scientific background. They don't even do that right. They don't get the facts right, and they don't they don't represent what would actually happen well. So you have these destructive storms, five of them, like talk about boring. Okay, more twisty winds, but nobody dies. Okay, so we got to fix a couple of barns. Big deal. We have to knock down a whole building in Volcano. So the, this case is, what is the bigger disaster? Yeah, Volcano, the act in the movie is the bigger disaster, but the movie Twister is the bigger disaster as a representation of disaster films. Wow. Um, and now I first want to applaud both of you um, for your work, your passion, your words today, your professionalism. I, you know, this might be the, uh, out of all the cases that I've presided <laughs> over, this is the time I've used my gavel the least. And, and I really do appreciate that. You <laughs> You know, I did. I worked out on. It was arm day yesterday, so you were really helping me out. So rest <laughs> my arm here. So, but let me. Uh, let's let's get into what what happened here today. Some two. We had two great arguments from uh, two great uh, seasoned lawyers. I think Danny's a little bit more seasoned, personally. <laughs> <laughs> but they're both seasoned. Uh, we had Danny representing Volcano. He had a very fact-based, data-heavy argument he came in with uh pages and pages loads and loads of information you know at times i think he could have trimmed and picked the best parts of the, th that data but you know what all that data seemed factually correct so it did help his his case i, I think his, his approach and then we had brandon who interestingly represented twister his kind of idea was to twist things around he said that it's, uh, yes, it's Twister was a better movie critically, you know, more successful, but in terms of the disaster genre, it kind of failed because it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was actually a pr pretty good movie and there wasn't that much death and destruction in it, which is what you want from a disaster film. But this is what I'll say. I love and respect Brandon's approach. It was it was great. It was very clever. But my one picadillo with it <laughs> is that, yes, Twister is a better movie than Volcano, critically. And yes, it was clearly one of the most successful films of that uh, year, financially. But we're not talking about like 80s in the Rotten Tomato, 90s in the Rotten Tomato, you know, 9.5 9 and whatever the Metacritic thing. It's kind of middling uh, reviews here, reception here. 60%, that means it's like, it's a pretty fun summer movie, but it's not a flat out like well-praised movie. So I, I wish it was a little bit more successful for you to really make the claim that it was it was uh, a bad disaster film. Um, anyway, I appreciate the everything you did. Dan just went straight for the facts. He pretty much had an easier case, I think, if he came prepared to uh, defeat Brandon. And um, 
I also will say Danny is a weatherman. He's a weather <laughs> weather Dan, so this really is his forte. <laughs> Talking about Dan Asturds. Right. Okay. <laughs> so as much as I appreciate Brandon's ingenuity, I think he was a little unpre- underprepared. <laughs> I, you know, I think it'd be a little insulting if I didn't give Dan the victory because he had stacks and stacks and stacks of evidence <laughs> within the evidence. I only asked for three. I think he gave me like 26 bits of evidence. Um, so for that, and plus he's a weatherman, I'm going to give this victory to Dan and say that Volcano is the bigger disaster. Wow. I appreciate it. Thank you. But thank you for for both of you guys. Uh, You did a great job. I was expecting a sympathy selection, and and I got it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Judge Brave. My strategy worked. Whatever it takes. And let's be honest. Danny can use the encouragement. All right. Brandon, how much more time do you have here? Oh, I still, we still have a half hour, so we want to like talk about yeah, like, our approaches yeah, and stuff. We, I like what we do. Our exit in the courtroom, and we'll do a, a wrap up of what just occurred in. Yeah, the yeah, yes. So yeah, so <laughs> I I kind of abandoned my original game plan because I had such a hard time making a case any other way. Like basically, my original idea was to not do what i did like start off by saying how dare we like uh, like speak in volumes of death as mattering like so many people die in volcano but only three like how dare we say that that those lives don't matter as much and saying that twister like actually makes a better emotional case for those three people and then halfway through the the trial abandon that argument and say so all of those points i just made prove that this was a bad disaster movie because it's trying too hard to be a good... I was going to basically end on the same point that I did, but start the case as me basically lying, you know, like misrepresenting (laughs) the case. And then I was like, but I just couldn't find enough evidence to make it work that way. So, like, I just said, I'm just going to go in the whole time saying that, like, going with this angle of, like... Because, yeah, in terms of actual, like, destruction and stuff, there is just no... There is no question that volcano is a is like a bigger disaster (laughs) like in terms of what's on the screen at least Uh, yeah like the direction i was thinking about your case a lot yesterday and i was like Uh if brandon does this he could like actually really win like kind of going off what you just said like when the tornado and twister affects the small town that scene you know where like destroys that town you could make the case that like that's a bigger disaster for those people like right. nobody's entire uh, lives are ruined. Resources. Nobody's entire lives are ruined, really, in volcano, except for the people that right. are dead. Whereas right. that, like, they're fucked forever. Like in right. in Twister, like I was thinking, no coming back. Like I was thinking about that direction for you. I thought, and like the direction I was like kind of hoping you would go in, the romantic disaster in Twister. Yes. I thought you were going to do that. Oh, true. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> divorce, like, Time with the Jones is also divorced, but, like, they don't really talk about it. But, like, I thought you were going to do that with Bill Paxton and, like, his wife. And, like, they're, they're, that engagement falls apart, and he ends up back with Helen. I thought you were going to do that, too. I was like, oh, that would be really good. I, w- I wanted to, at first, like, go for – like, I went through three stages of, of the <laughs> preparation – and ultimately, I just I, I found I found it most amusing and fun to take the angle of like 
it just is like a bad job at being a disaster movie. And like, yeah. I, I wanted, I was hoping to be able to just like agree with you and say like you made my case for me. Like that whole thing of like, <laughs> like all the right. things you're saying are helping me. Like I just, I, I wanted to go that route because I couldn't figure out like when to do the pivot of like, do I present all three evidence as like being pro twister and then in the closing arguments say like actually all that stuff is is not true and i just didn't know how to like how to structure it so i abandoned like switching halfway okay well i still i still like your points yeah that i mean that was it's a very good angle to take i mean it was like this i mean volcano is just obviously like yeah (laughs) you know like like a bigger disaster like the racial harmony stuff it's so funny and so stupid yeah I watched Volcano yesterday too. I, I couldn't believe like <laughs> I was laughing. That yeah. was so insane. So hard. Really dumb. But I, yeah. Yeah. It's like right on the heels of like OJ and uh Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, the, he references he says Mark oh he's like, Oh look, Mark Furman. He says that Furman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like that stuff and and then the kids the end is so it's the dumbest yeah, way to I, end I, this movie i couldn't believe i was that. going to play but i thought the case that it's not a disaster that it's awesome was better did you hear the ending credits song wait what was it it's Ran- I, I, love, I love la it's i love randy la newman. randy newman yeah and like i was yeah. dying yeah <laughs> i i kind of think it's possibly more entertaining than twister i, right. I don't know it's like yeah twister is like definitely like it's like, oh, it's way better than I thought it would be. I think Brandon even said it. It goes on like a little too long. Yeah, there's just one. There's too many storms. Like every time you think it's over, right. there's another one. Exactly. And like they have four different Dorothys. Yeah. And yeah. of course, yeah. the first three fail until the last one. Let's do three. Three yeah. would have been like so much better, cleaner. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's is, is awesome in it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. The special effects are pretty great. Yeah, that's another thing. I think the special effects in Twister are better also. I think they are. I think they are. Watching the lava exploding in Volcano, it doesn't even look good. Like, really. Like, <laughs> the actual magma itself looks pretty cool. But, the, yeah, but like, the, yeah. the eruption just looks very fake now. Like, Yeah. Um, also, in, in Volcano, for some reason, there's so much, um, like, news audio yeah yeah like news story audio for like i want to say 20 percent of the dialogue in the film is just news audio like people reporting on the volcano right it's so weird (laughs) yeah like the tone shift at the end of that movie to play we are la is so insane why does it do that why does it play i love la i love la yeah like yeah that's so weird all of a sudden like that comes in it's like what what? LA is the best because they because they make it work and like it's really over the top with like the LA like references and like how LA the movie is too like there's that like because I, th- I th- even think at one point they do like a Californians thing where they're talking about like the route they would take for the canal and like it just felt very California like LA like I don't know yeah <laughs> It's funny. I wonder. Um, I wonder how Dante's Peak is in like like if it's a better movie. I've never seen it. I've never I only seen saw Dante's it Peak when it came out. And I just wrote. There's one thing I very specifically remember is like in the beginning of the movie. There's a couple that are having like a tryst in a in a hot springs, and then they get like boiled because uh, because of the you know the earth heating up. Um, but I don't remember it much more than that. And like it's funny, I was tr- I was trying to make the case that like 
they're claiming this can happen. Like the producers and like the people promoting the movie say time and time again, I read multiple quotes like, uh, this is purely for entertainment. This would never happen. Like I was hoping right. you wouldn't find that because that like hurts my case a little bit. Like there was, they didn't promote it as like a scientifically accurate thing. They promoted it as entertainment. Like they say it. Right. Like, so I picked like a piece of a quote out from the larger quote. That's <laughs> which is why I yeah. tried to lean into yeah. like the mistakes twister made of like trying to rely so hard on science, but they didn't even get it right. Um, well, that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And it's funny that Dante's peak came out the same year as volcano. I guess like, I wonder who came first, like who had the first idea. And then like, did someone else like say, we have to make a competing, uh, film. Yeah. It, it, it happens. It. it happens so often in, uh, in Hollywood. There's no, um, other tornado movie from 96. There, there is, is there? there is, there was a, a movie called tornado in 96. Oh, but, tornado. Yeah, really? Uh, with uh, maybe Bruce, we should have done that. Bruce Campbell and Ernie Hudson. <laughs> It came out in '96. Yeah, but it's like what made for hell. It's made for TV though. So crazy. Oh well, yeah. Wow. Oh, All right. Also, there was Night of the Twisters. Uh, also, another made-for-TV movie in '96. <laughs> well, I don't think this episode was was a disaster. Well, it's not even. It was fun. It's not. It. This is just halfway through the episode. We have another case to do. Oh, yeah. That's so true. Well, stick <laughs> around, <laughs> I guess. We're, don't even need to say that. Just keep listening, and uh, we'll do the second case for you. Yeah. But until then, <laughs> see you in, to say. See you in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. bye. <laughs> Maybe. Bye. Maybe. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, good work, you two. Now let's move on to our second case of the day, which will be, who is the better lead part replacement? Is it Val Kilmer as Batman in the Batman film franchise, replacing the legendary Michael Keaton, or is it Sammy Hagar as the lead vocalist of the, of the Van Halen rock band franchise, replacing the incomparable David Lee Roth? For this case, Brandon will be representing Val Kilmer of the Batmans, and Daniel will be repping Sammy Hagar of the Van Halen brothers. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and Michael Anthony. And Michael Anthony. And, yeah, I guess. So. Um, <laughs> technically, yes. Technically. Uh, unlike, <laughs> unlike last case, I have not reviewed any of your clients' work in recent times prior to this trial. So I'm pretty much as ignorant as a newborn baby here, and you can probably pull a fast one on me, and it would likely <laughs> work. So more power to you if you, if you do. So I, I'm not uh, opposed of you trying to pull a fast one here. But uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, we'll have our attorney men deliver an opening statement on behalf of their client. Uh, and then we will go back and forth with three bits of evidence from each side and finally wrap with closing statements. And lastly, a final decision from me, Judge Brave, the honorable one. Okay. So why don't we start this time with Brandon repping Val Kilmer. Your opening statement, please. Hello, uh, Big Danny. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Attorney Big Danny, Judge Brave, uh, it's great to be still in your courtroom. The year is 2019. 
Legendary director Martin Scorsese says a quote. He says, Marvel movies aren't cinema. He says the cinema is an art form that brings you the unexpected. In superhero movies, nothing is at risk. Now, the merits of his conversation are not as what's at stake today. It's the entire cinema landscape in then 2019 and now continues in 2021. The merits of what he's saying is for another discussion. What is of discussion is that superhero movies have taken over the cinema landscape. It's become franchises that have spilled over from movies to collected universes instead of standalone films into TV shows that tie in that you must watch to be a part of the entire experience. Comic books that the characters were changed based on actors that have been in the movies because of how they were portrayed and because of how impactful they have been. Whatever Marty thinks, cinema has changed forever. And that all is rested on the very capable shoulders of one Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is the pivot point into how all of this came to be. And that is the case that I will present to you today and back up that if not for Batman and Forever specifically and Val Kilmer, we would not have the cinema landscape we have today. For better or for worse. Thank That's you. very interesting. I never thought of Val Kilmer as the pivot point for our horrible landscape and film these days. <laughs> um, but I am very curious to hear uh, your argument on this. Now, uh, Daniel, Big Danny, as we call you in the courtroom, because it's the more respectful thing to do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> some more why don't we hear your opening case uh, representing Sammy Hagar? Not that interesting, but thank you, um, litigator Brandon, for uh, for that introduction. Um, okay, Justin Lin for the Fast and the Furious franchise, the second theme song to the show Smart Guy, Don Cheadle as War Machine. Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Culturally, the 80s and the 90s over the 1970s. <laughs> Chicago over Brooklyn as my place of residence. <laughs> These all have a common theme. Great replacements. And I feel strongly today that common sense will prevail when it comes to comparing the genius move of replacing David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar and Van Halen to the mistake of Val Kilmer as Batman. So Brandon, I hope your paperwork and process do you well. You're going to need it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judge Brave, for the chance today. Yeah. This is what we do in this on this uh, in this courtroom. We give young, hopeful, talented attorneys the chance to really bloom. And I think you're on the right track with that opening statement. Whoa. Uh, great comparisons there. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, okay, great. So I think we have here a interesting couple of arguments. Let's see them face off. Uh, Brandon, step up to the plate and give us an evidence. Sure. A piece of evidence. What's going on? This will probably be my longest evidence segment. I just want to say that up front. Uh, this is going to be the fundamentals section of okay. the uh, of the evidence displaying. I do want to also just say, you know, the last trial I was attacked by uh, by attorney Big Danny saying that you know the work that I put in you know wasn't sufficient and all that. And I just want to point out that his opening statement just now was a copy and paste of his last opening statement, just switched out the words. He said common sense will prevail. He said he hopes paperwork and process. He he gave a list of comparisons. So I just want to say objection, <gasps> objection, <laughs> hearsay. <laughs> No. Uh, hearsay. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, I did hear I did hear you I did hear you say uh, the same thing last time. Judge, um, this is now your decision when I say objection. <laughs> I know I'm reviewing the tapes right now. Um, I'm listening to earlier parts of the podcast. <laughs> it turns out I am also the stenographer, so <laughs> it did sound familiar to me. But that's not against the law to just recycle. No, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just pointing it out. I just was, I, you know, just like to point it out. It, hey, he won last time. Why not uh, go for the same angle this time? Sure. Okay, so this is the fundamentals section here. Can you uh, see the screen? Uh, yes. Okay, fundamentals of Batman Part 1. The chin. The chin is one of the most important aspects of the character of Batman that was cr created in 1932. Uh, for the listeners, uh, there is a picture of a of a broad-chinned Batman drawing saying, you call that a chin to a very pointy uh, um, chin. Example number one is the famous uh, animated series Batman, again, with a very <laughs> large chin. Uh, this is exhibit two. Ex uh, one exhibit two is the theory of drawing Batman. So the whole thing about Batman is that there is, you know, there's always interpretations of him. The most successful ones tend to have this common theme of uh, big boy chin, a big chungus chin. Okay, example three: Christian Bale chin, weak chin, not a great, not a great cowl. So the cowl is the name of the Batman. Uh, you know, the, the mask, it's the whole thing is called the cowl. And okay. uh, most of Bale's, you know, face is covered up. It got a little bit of a weak chin. It's a nice chin, but it's, 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 it's pretty weak. But we're just looking at the broad spectrum of what Batmans have to offer here. Here is the Adam West, great chin. Like a really, like a, a, a wide bottom base chin with a great jawline. Unbelievable chin. We are uh, looking at the best chin in the business, the Batfleck chin, the butt chin. It's uh, my favorite bat chin. Uh, it's just, it's a chunky, chungus chin, um, and seems to be the internet's favorite chin, uh, based on all the research that I did. Um, now, Keaton's chin, Keaton has an interesting chin. I kind of find him to be drawing a little too much attention to his lips, uh, the famous Keaton purse lips. Uh, he also doesn't really fill out the mask as strongly as some of the other Batmans do. It's a little bit empty and loose. Um, right. Clooney has a very, like... Hollywood chin. It's a protruding chin, kind of like a cartoonishy chin. I like the chin, but it's a little too. I don't. It's a. It's very shocking, but I like. I do like it. Like here's a great shot of the chin. This is a great Clooney chin, but he does have a very distinguished chin. And then we're gonna go to the Kilmer chin. I mean, it's just like a striking jawline. It fills out the cowl. 
beautifully. Here's a closer look at that one shot. He's got Ooh, great, nice. great lines, great tables, great chin. And again, it fills out the cowl so unbelievably well. Aside from Batflecked, uh, everyone kind of was like, yeah, Kilmer's chin is just like uh, a great, great chin. And of course, we have the, the Robert Patton chin coming up. Uh, which everyone's excited for the Robert Pattinson uh, in the Batman, and we can't wait to really see the true reveal of the uh, the Robert Pattinson going forward, because um, he's he's got a terrific jaw, um, one of the best jawlines in the biz. Okay, so that's Fundamentals Part One. Okay, is okay. The ch- is the chin. Fundamentals Part Two is the voice. Now, as we know. Batman started in the comic books, right? And we've had so many iterations over the years. Now. Put a little, put a little uh, surveys into the field. Reached out to a few people. Did a lot of reaching on the internet. Overwhelmingly, it seems like the quintessential Batman voice is Kevin Conroy, who is the voice of the animated series starting in 1992, and he still does it. He's been, he's done it in countless animated series. Now there have been other actors who have. Uh, done the voice as well, but Kevin Conroy is the most famous of the uh, Batman voices. I'm going to play you a little clip here. This is uh, about Meet the Voice of Batman. Okay, here we go. If you were a kid back in the 90s and early 2000s, then chances are you were probably watching the animated series about the Batman. Behind every great animated hero is a great voice actor. And for me... That actor is Kevin Conroy. How was that? That was good. So Kevin, that's Kevin going. Conroy. Okay. okay. So okay. now I want to just do a quick little back to back here. Now remember, Conroy started in 1992. Okay. So here's a little clip of Conroy in this episode. Would never allow anyone else the honor of killing me. Though I have to admit, she came a lot closer than you ever did. No more now that's Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's voice is unbelievable as a Batman voice. Let's listen to a little more comparison. This is between you and me. You've been sucking Gotham's brainwaves and now you've devised a way to read men's minds. So Kevin Conroy is really leaning into the pulpy, campy, very self-seriousness of Batman here. Okay. You didn't have enough for research subjects, so you used yourself. And now I'm a freak. That's not what I see. I see someone who was willing to give up everything for a cause she believed in. How do you know so much about me? Let's see without seeing to me darkness is as clear as daylight it's a it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh version of that very self-serious very like cheesy batman here's him talking to dr chase meridian nicole kidman in that a family picnic oh we could give it a try i'll bring the wine you bring your scarred psyche direct aren't you you like strong women i've done my homework or do i need skin tight vinyl and a whip i haven't had that much luck with women maybe you just haven't okay and finally fundamentals part three now uh, that clip right there where she mentions the the leather and the whip is going to come back later so that's why there's a reason i played that particular clip the last bits of fundamentals part three is uh the detective Batman and Batman ultimately is a detective. That's part of his thing is that he's a rich man with access to 
you know, technology and gadgets and all this stuff, but also the whole thing is that he's a detective. It's supposed to be a play on the noir. And we don't really get a lot of that in many of the Batman franchises. Now, this movie doesn't have the greatest detective work in the world. It's pretty easy riddles, but... We're five little items of an everyday sort. Also notice his Bruce Wayne voice is different than Batman. Court. It's subtle. In it's not like Christian Bale's, like, very extreme I owe you. Vowels. Not entirely unclever, sir, but what do a clock, a match, chess pawns and vowels have in common? What do these riddles mean? Every riddle has a number in the... So I just wanted to have a little clip of him doing detective work. So again, fundamentals. Hmm. Batman Forever, the movie, it was played for kids, and it, and it was a, a bad choice, but again, we're going to come back to the movie and all of that, but just in terms of fundamental Batman, he's a great Bruce Wayne. He has the voice. He has a great chin. He's an attra attractive man, and he plays the the sadness pretty well. And so he has the fundamentals of Batman down in his own way. That thank you. That is uh, examples number one. Three part within a one part evidence. <laughs> okay, so many. Many layers here. Little dicey, Dan. little dicey, if you ask me. Breaking the rules slightly in a court of law. I don't know. We were allowed to break rules in a court of law, but it is what it is. Don't also don't really see what uh, makes uh, Christian Bale have a weak chin. Didn't really see that at all. Looking at the picture that you showed, don't understand that criticism of his chin. But hey, it I is mean, what it is. Objection. That's this is not at a courtroom. Where you don't. You, this is not cross examination. All right, whatever. Don't get it. Um, <laughs> Hold on. Let me get my gavel uh, up and ready, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to gavel a couple of things, but I couldn't. Um, no, I'm kidding. Okay, great. All right, so that was very informative, Brandon. I learned a lot about the fundamentals of, of Batman. It was like taking a, a mini uh, uh, online course. That was fun. I was thinking about like joining one of those because uh, I have a lot of free time now, so uh, maybe I'll... Uh, Look for some free Batman courses. Uh, although I just I learned a good amount right now, so maybe I should do Superman or something. Anyway, Dan, bring bring your good stuff. Bring your A game. Yeah, it seems that Brandon is capable of doing some actual legal work after all. Yeah. All right. Compared to the last case, there was no work done. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. First piece of evidence here. Sammy Hagar is a better replacement because... Van Halen became a more positive and happier band and group of people after he joined. They rid themselves of some real toxicity and it became a better working environment. Relations between David Lee Roth and the rest of the band had hit their lowest points from like 1984 to 1985. Despite the band's commercial success, Dave's ego was out of control. Separately, because of the dysfunction, they thought it was a good idea to fire their manager. Excuse me. <laughs> My ego is out of control? Okay. For the record, Judge, every time I say Dave, I, I would only call you Judge Brave in this oh, stage. Okay. Dave is referring to David Lee Roth. I apologize okay. for any confusion. I'm going to say Dave a lot throughout this. You should this. say Diamond Dave because he's really more known as Diamond Dave. When you go Dave, it's Diamond Dave when he shortens it to that nickname. Okay. Do I have to say that? Do I have to say that, Judge? You don't have to, but now thanks for clarifying at least. Okay. Because, uh, when I say Dave, it's referring to David Lee Roth. I would only call you Judge Brave in this okay, episode. Okay, that's fair. All, okay. Right. I res all right. Okay. Thank you. Very respectful. All right. So because of the dysfunction, 
The band thought it was a good idea to fire their manager, Noel Monk, who had managed the band without a contract since 1978. So in 1984, Noel asked for a contract and a secure position in the band. The band declined and they parted ways. Noel was really the glue that kept the band together and functioning. And now that Noel wasn't there and nobody was managing Van Halen, they were left on their own to screw things up and get petty the way many bands do when nobody's there to steer them through. So after Van Halen's 1984 tour, Dave, a.k.a. Diamond Dave, okay. got, got some terrible ideas in his head and recorded and released his Crazy From The Heat EP and the two videos using Van Halen's lighting manager, Pete Angelus, as his personal manager for his new solo enterprise that was originally supposed to be a side project on Van Halen's downtime. Noel didn't approve of this, so when Van Halen canned Noel, there was nobody in Dave's way anymore to say, that's not a good idea right now. Eddie Van Halen wanted the band to record a new album and then do a short stadium tour. Dave said no to that. Dave also wanted a few months to make his movie, and the band naturally wasn't okay with waiting for him to selfishly do that. Dave actually wrote a screenplay that he pitched to Columbia Films, and they actually went for it, Columbia Films. He brought it back to the band and offered Van Halen first dibs on doing something with it. They all agreed that it was probably going to suck, and funny enough, Columbia Pictures ended up going bankrupt, and Dave's movie went up in smoke with it anyway. Uh, good call not trying to make it work with Van Halen, Dave, and going for a movie that failed. So between all the heavy drinking, cocaine, disagreeing on just about everything, and all of this going on without a manager to keep things together at the time, they had to part ways with Dave. Dave left the band. Tensions with Dave had really gotten so bad over the years that Eddie even considered leaving Van Halen also. He said, referring to Dave, and I quote, on stage, he was fine. It was off stage that he made having a human relationship impossible. <laughs> and that's where I have some clips now prepared to, to show kind of even deeper what I'm talking about here. So I'm going to share my screen. Please allow screen sharing. Oh, I'll stop my share. But behave yourself. I will. Okay. So this first clip I'm going to share, this is quick. Um, this is from MTV Rockumentary uh, in 1989. I love that name. That's a fun name. Okay. Just a quick clip here. What we're doing now, and I mean, the past had its good moments too, but this is like good moment every moment. <laughs> it's like a good moment every moment. It's like a good moment every moment in reference to the band now with... Um, Sammy Hagar, not with David Lee Roth. Oh, okay. Because, again, 1989, 1989, think of the year. Sammy Hagar's in the band now. It's like a good moment right. every moment. He's talking about them, the human relationships within the band. Here's another clip. Um, another interview with the band, David and David, excuse me, and um, Eddie Van Halen on the Today Show in July of 1986. The spirit of this band that comes across now really does seem to be an all-for-one, one-for-all kind of happening. It seems like a very unified front. That's pretty accurate, isn't it? It's, it's much yeah. more a band than it used to be. It's much more a band. It's much more a band than it used to be. It's much more a band than it used to be, right from the words of Eddie Van Halen. And finally, this one's a little longer. <laughs> 
This is from Van Halen Unleashed, like a more longer documentary interviewing more members of the band uh, as well, talking about really some similar stuff. The first time we got together was like, we've been together for years. It was incredible. You know, I don't mean to put a certain person down, but it's like, there's no more, no more limits, no more governor, you know? It's like, just, we can do anything we want. Well, uh, we had a toothache for about 11 years, and uh, finally went to the dentist, had it extracted, and now we've got a, a, a crown with a gold cap on it. I think they've really pulled off something incredible. When, when a primary member of a band leaves a rock and roll band, uh, there's always speculation oh, that interesting. the band can never be the same, and I think actually they've improved themselves. When Dave quit the band, <clears throat> Alex, Mike, and I were just pretty devastated, really. We were just sitting there going, now what? You know? I mean, here we've worked with a guy for 11 years, so to speak, and he just kind of, like, walked, took off. We were just a little bit, uh... No, we weren't a little bit. We were a lot pissed off. We just came off a, a major tour in 1984. It was the best-selling record we ever had. It went to number two in Billboard. We had the first ever uh, number one single. Uh, every place we played, we were sold out. Uh, and we were just itching to go and do the next record because Edward had written a lot of music and uh, Dave wanted to be a movie star. Uh, about the only thing that I can say that, that really ticked me off about the whole situation was that it was not told to us straight across the board. Well, it wasn't the creative part of working with him. I think we made some great music together. And uh, he was just living with the guy. He treated everybody like a little lower than him, including us in the band. And, you know, that's that's not the way a band works. And now with Sammy, we're all, we're a band. We're really a band. We're all equal. Nobody's the big cheese, so to speak. And what I could never figure out is why he was the big cheese, except for his attitude, you know? Because Al and I and Mike were, you know, basically the, the driving force, you know? But he was good at the mouth. <laughs> Thank you so much. I rest my case. <laughs> With my first piece of evidence. That's my first piece of evidence. Thank you. Okay. Bit of a three-parter, too, from Dan. Well, no. No, it's not. It's one point. I mean... It's one point. Three videos. M multiple clips. One point. <laughs> all right. I'm just saying, I'm seeing a lot of threes all over the place here in part one. Okay. So, why don't we head over to Brandon... What's your second part of your evidence? Repping Val Kilmer. So, <clears throat> in 1997, the film Batman and Robin came out, starring George Clooney. The movie was a commercial and critical flop. I'm reading from this article here. Uh, 1997, the year the superhero died. Batman and Robin has been many times over credited as killing the superhero genre almost completely uh, because of its performance. George Clooney uh, himself said he wouldn't do it again. It was a waste of money. He said it didn't work. We all whiffed on that one. The problem is, is that superheroes are still around and they're bigger than ever, right? Well, the studio had faith in Batman's ability to bounce back because of Batman Forever's performance. They said, it's not, it's not our fault. Like, it's our fault for mismanaging the franchise. There was no 
there was no clarity of whether or not the Batman franchise was a franchise at that point in time. So if you remember from that last clip of Val Kilmer speaking with Dr. Chase Meridian, she refers to the leather and whips, which is referring to Catwoman, which appeared in the previous film, Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. There was carryover between those two films. I actually think they handled it right. They, you know, they didn't say this is new. They just, it's kind of like James Bond. It just moves on and certain things stay, certain things, you know, but they were never very definitive about this is a cinematic universe. But the thing was that it was so aesthetically different that it didn't feel the same. There was not the same management team. And the reason that Keaton left and Kilmer came on was not because of a decision other than the creative direction was not organized. He did not want to not work with Burton. He did not want to work with Joel Schumacher. So the whole thing was that the studio realized we mismanaged this situation. But it's not because we have Batman performing in one movie because, look, Val Kilmer did it, and it was a success commercially. It, was, it made $395 million. It, it performed really well at the box office. It sold billions of toys and all this crap. And so what do we get after this? We get the X-Men franchise. We get the Spider-Man franchise. We get the seeds of these studios taking seriously. We need to build a universe. We need to take care of our intellectual property and not be so flippant with it and just aim it towards kids. It needs to be for everybody involved. And so Val Kilmer was the stability he was the proof that it can be done on Wim film. The George Lazenby, you might say, of the James Bond franchises. The, the fact that you can have a, a well-performing one performance and then move on from that. You know, maybe without that, George Clooney couldn't, they, they would have maybe tried again because they were like, oh, we can't just have Batman last one time and then give up. But they knew it was okay and they could move on from it because Val Kilmer did it well. And so Val Kilmer, again, is the pivot point because... The failure of Batman Robin is what led to X-Men and Spider-Man being the new foundation for taking these superhero movies seriously, which then ultimately leads to the Nolan Batman trilogy off of the, that. Those are the first Batmans we get after that. And then we get the Marvel and it all it all started from the Batman and Robin, but could not have they didn't have confidence without Batman Forever's success as a solo film because he didn't ruin it. George Clooney did and the nipples, Joel Schumacher's nipples. And that's the other thing, is that the fault of Batman Forever lies in the creative. I still believe Val Kilmer did his job beautifully, fundamentally, and with some sweet chin music. Okay. Huh. Interesting, interesting. Got to think about what I just heard here. <laughs> because of the success of Forever... And the failure of Robin, they were able to start this whole thing. Okay. They felt it okay to abandon after one movie with one Batman. Because they okay. said, well, it can be done right once. So clearly it was not the fault of just this one movie. It was, you know, it was the six. We need to take care of everything. Okay. All right. Dan, all right. If he was a bit, what do you got? If he was a good replacement. They would have kept him for more than one movie. Hagar had five albums of Van Halen. Anyway, so my next point is uh, objection again, not cross examination. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about seeds. I'm planting my own seeds. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe you just dug your own grave. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Next point here. 
Sammy Hagar is a better replacement than Val Kilmer was as Batman because Van Halen became a better band critically after he joined. The product got better. They won more critical awards. So in 1992, during the Hagar era, Van Halen won their first Grammy. They won Best Hard Rock Performance with Vocal for their 1991 album for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. They also gained a second nomination with Hagar for the same award in 1996 for the song The Seventh Seal on their album Balance, whereas with David Lee Roth, they were only nominated once for a Grammy that featured him as a vocalist, and they lost. In the Hagar era, they also gained seven MTV Music Award nominations and won three. The three wins all being associated with their smash hit right now. With Lee Roth, they only had three nominations and won once. Hagar era Van Halen has been nominated for eight American Music Awards and won one. Van Halen with Roth was nominated once and lost. The product of Batman Forever got worse critically when Val Kilmer came aboard, making him a worse replacement. Batman from 1989 has a 71% Rotten Tomatoes score uh, with an 84% audience score. Batman Returns has an 80% Rotten Tomatoes score with a 73% audience score. Batman Forever has a 38% Rotten Tomatoes score with a 32% audience score. Batman from 1989, to go to Metacritic, which Brandon prefers, has a 69 meta score with an 8.2 user score. Batman Returns has a 68 meta score and a 7.5 user score. Batman Forever, 51 meta score and a 6.4 user score. It's a worse product. Thank you. Okay, some, some comparisons. He brought in Batman. He brought in the competitor. I like that. Okay, I think we're just kind of flying by here like uh, a bat in the, in the night. Brandon, take it home with your third piece of evidence. What do you got? I would like if I mean, you don't have to, but I did kind of like that he was dissing you. It'd be cool if you dissed him back, but you don't have to. Well, you know, I will just say, Dan did just say, um, before, you know, attacking my last thing, you know, after the other time he attacked it, but before the last time he attacked it, he said, he said, if they liked him, they would have brought him back. Well, guess fucking what? Uh-oh. <laughs> Val Kilmer is the one that quit. They wanted him back. Kilmer left Batman because he said, and I quote, Bat... Wait, oh, I just lost my spot. (laughs) Oh, man. He said, it doesn't matter who is portraying Batman. That's why it's so easy to have five or six Batmans. It's not about Batman. There is no Batman. He understood that he was a replacement that he could not live up to some people's expectations of who Batman was because for some people, he is Batman. For some people, Keaton is Batman. For some people, Bale is Batman. That's the beauty of Batman. You can have your favorite Batman. And he understood that, okay? You can't replace... You can replace David Lee Roth as the singer. You want me to attack? Fine, Dave, I'll do it. You, want, you, want, you can replace David Lee Roth because the band name is Van Halen. It's not Van Roth. If, if Alex or Eddie Van Halen left the band, it would be a different band name. If Sammy Hagar, you know, it would be a different thing, right? So 
it's like an, it's actually an unfair comparison because he is playing the titular Batman. Val Kilmer is playing the titular Batman, and he understood that he was a replacement, and that's why he is a better replacement because he looked at the situation and said, "You know what? I'm going to remove myself from the situation and go do other things and let another person come on here. Just because I have a little bit of creative differences, that's fine. I had a good experience." I'm going to move on. I'm going to go work with Marlon Brando in the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's fundamentally what it is, is that, sure, maybe Van Halen became a better band internally, but who cares? That sounds like a nice therapy session. What about for the people? He was, he was a Batman for the people, for a generation, a huge generation. 1995, this was, I saw this in theaters, this was the, a for the children. And that, sure, maybe people didn't like that because it was all neon covered and glitz and glamoured and marketed for the toys. But he took his role very seriously. He, he did the research. He looked at Kevin Conroy's voice. He got in shape. He took the silliness, the campiness of it seriously. I think that's one of the things after watching the movie again is that they were leaning into that 60s TV aesthetic, the pulpy campiness of it. And I just think that stylistically, Schumacher and them didn't adhere to that. But I think acting-wise, especially Nicole Kidman and Kilmer, are giving giving it that treatment that it deserved, that like over-the-top noir. And that's what noir is. And they're trying to do this noir performance in this like campy Batman where Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey are going ape shit and kind of making the movie worse. Uh, I think they're the reason that the movie is actually not as successful. I actually think that Kilmer and, and uh, Kidman are great. And again, to close it out, he is a better replacement because he knew he was a replacement. He honored the situation. He took his ego out of it and said, Batman is Batman. There is no Batman. I am just Batman for this one movie, and I'm going to be replaced after this. I'm not going to try and live up to what Keaton did. I'm not going to try and overshadow it. I'm going to do my own thing. Thank you. Well put. Well put. Some uh, some takedowns. We like that. Got more bloody. <laughs> uh, Dan, you need a uh, need a band aid. <laughs> judge Brave, what did you call like when you were n- when you were not a judge when you were a lawyer? What did you call yeah. like when you had like um, a big piece of evidence to reveal? There was a term you used. I would like permission to use it. Do you know? Oh yeah, what did I call it? Like the the game changer or the <laughs> This is the kill shot. The, the kill, like, <laughs> I don't killer. remember. Something like that. I would like your permission to say whatever that is now. Yeah, I'm not sure what the phrase was, but yes, you can use it. Okay. I don't have it. Uh, okay, covered. this is the, the the this is the kill shot. This is I, I don't know. Okay, but this is a kill shot. Sure. Yeah. Because Brandon helped tee up one of my things now, too. It's a back-and-forth tee-up, unintentional tee-ups. <laughs> um, no cross-referencing for me. I won't do that anymore. Okay. Very good point by Brandon. Got to give it to him. But Sammy Hagar is a better replacement because he allowed Van Halen to be the band they wanted to be at that time. Eddie wanted to continue in the band's more synth-oriented direction at that time, which had proven to be hugely successful as Jump was their biggest hit. It just came out in 1984. David Lee Roth disagreed with this direction, which was yet another reason why he ended up leaving and was the odd man out. 
So David Lee Roth and Ted Templeman, one of Van Halen's main producers, had both exited the Van Halen camp by 1985, with new singer Sammy Hagar and producer Mick Jones entering the fold. These personnel changes encouraged Eddie to continue to write keyboard-based material for inclusion on the band's seventh and highest charting album, 5150. There were three hits from 5150, including Why Can't This Be Love, um, Dreams, and Love Walks In, all prominently featured Eddie's keyboard playing, offering up the best evidence yet that going forward, keyboards would get an equal billing with guitars on Van Halen Records. On the band's massively successful 5150 tour, Eddie split his time by playing both keys and guitar during live performances. During the years that followed, the band produced three more hit albums with Hagar, OU812 from 1988, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, 1991, and Balance, 1995. Eddie played keyboards on all of them. They achieved many different accolades and successes that Eddie Van Halen's synth playing brought to Van Halen. Dave was simply not staying in the band if Eddie was going to continue to go in this direction, which put Van Halen in, in a very tough spot. Bottom line here, Sammy Hagar saved Van Halen by coming in and embracing this change that Eddie wanted to go in. But synth is not the only change they wanted to make as a band. As I said earlier, after the 1984 tour, they kind of wanted to do less touring and just do a, a few big stadium shows, which Dave also opposed. That decision was because they wanted to focus on being better musically in general, kind of like a similar to the Beatles, which... Hagar absolutely brought to the table. He brought the greater musicianship to the table. I see great vocalist, great guitarist. To directly quote a few people, Eddie Van Halen said in an interview, and I quote, one thing about Roth, he's not half the singer Sammy is. Ted, uh -oh. Ted Templeman said in an interview also, and I quote, Sammy's a hell of a singer. Sammy may be the best singer out there, period. To me, he's a combination of Robert Plant and James Brown. <laughs> that guy can sing like nobody. I'm telling you, nobody. I'm talking just as a singer. He doesn't know how good he even is. The guy is, I think, the best rock singer on the planet. Oh, my God. That's Ted Templeman, Van Halen's producer, at the, who, who said that. So I have a clip here to show kind of specifically what I'm talking about. Just allow me to uh, share, please. Go for it. But this is what I'm talking about, the, the music direction and being a better band musically, vocally, all of it. It really comes to fruition here with this song that I'm going to play with Sa featuring Sammy Hagar. So baby, dry your eyes, save all the tears you've 
That song really brings to fruition everything I was talking about with the direction the band wanted to go in. You get the synth, you get the vocals, everything they wanted to do as a band, which David Lee Roth was like, no thanks, and left. (laughs) You get from that song an amazing accomplishment that is simply not possible with David Lee Roth. Thank you. I do love that song. I um, was running to that album uh, a few months ago, and when that song came on, it, it changed the, the run. The whole tone of the run, you could tell. <laughs> Even people like around me could tell that oh, he's he's got a powerful song <laughs> guiding him through this run. Um, damn. Okay. Well, what I want to do now is this. I want to pee, <laughs> and then I'll let you guys go over your final statements you deliver them to me, and I will review the tapes and deliver my uh, decision. All right. Recess for uh, three minutes. I hate that you hate Ben Affleck. Batfleck rules. Not talking to you during our recess. <laughs> it's unorthodox. <laughs> I'll be using that as evidence against you. You can't present any more evidence. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. Okay. Court is back in session. We will now hear the f- closing statement from Brandon on his case of why Val Kilmer is a better replacement. Come forward, Brandon, and deliver your sentiments. So it's, it's you know, I, I think that this has been a, a battle in, in this courtroom. And, you know, that, that last point that, you know, Big Danny made is, is, a, is a great one, you know, that he, he allowed Van Halen to do what they wanted to do. But what, my, what I ask is, where is Van Halen now? You know, they, they, you know, it's a band, like it's a band and, and they moved on, you know, to a third singer after that. And they kept going, right? Without, without Hagar. They, they went to uh, Gary Sharon. Um, and Batman is, is, is alive and, and stronger than maybe ever. Uh, and, and has embraced the idea of, um, multiple Batmans that you can have not just one franchise going at a time. You can have standalone that are separate from the universe. Um, they're, you know, they're, Val Kilmer has entertained the idea of returning to a multiverse version of Batman. Um, it's, they don't look back on the, the Kilmer years as being uh, a bad thing like they do Clooney, where everybody has agreed that we're not going to return to that. He doesn't want to return to that. You know, that, that killed the franchise. So, and again, I think that the strongest case for Val Kilmer is his knowing role as a replacement, which is what this trial is about, is who is who is a better replacement. He, he knew his role, and he, he was willing to fill the shoes to put this entire franchise uh, in front of him. The value of it, the character, the entire history of it, we're coming up you know, in a decade, on a hundred years that this character has been in the lexicon. That's an entire, that's an insane amount of pressure. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, 
it, it wasn't just coming off of Keaton's shoulders. Obviously, Keaton was like the first live action of this era, but there were the other live action Batmans of the 60s and on TV. And, you know, The Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie, the animated series was huge. There was just, there is so many more eyes on uh, and, and so much more basis for critique and could have, and he could have ruined it, but he didn't. He didn't ruin it. Um, and he, he stepped away and his legacy uh, is, is intact as a Batman. And, and, what, and, and here is my final point, is that with all of the Batmans that we have, we have such a broad spectrum of analysis. You know, you know in, we have so many more things than just two or three to say, oh, this is my favorite, least favorite, where everybody's rankings are gonna be over. We get to see a spectrum. So even if Kilmer is your least favorite, it doesn't kill Kilmer. It doesn't kill Batman as a franchise or as a thing because there is so much more out there. And the fact that he was able to stay up at plate and bat with the big boys, bat with the big boys, uh, is a testament to his his success. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Brandon. Uh, now, Big Danny, it's your turn. What is your closing statement, your closing argument for why Sammy Hagar is better? Thank you. At replacing. I'd like to first quickly mention that with Sammy Hagar, all four of the albums he was a singer for hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. This something, is evidence. This is evidence. Objection. Something this the band closing. had never done once <laughs> with David evidence. Lee Roth. Certainly something evidence. you should also consider, David Judge Brady. Okay, also okay. This is, is evidence. evidence. Thank this you. is not for evidence. I don't see the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm stricken I'm, from the I'm, record. I'm closing with with just information. I don't know why you can't close with information. It's a closing. That's I'm closing evidence. with information. It's you don't have to believe place. me. You don't have to believe me. But I'm saying it. You don't have to believe it. <laughs> Maybe I'm making it up. I'm not. But you don't have to believe me. It's just something I'm saying. More importantly, though, I would like to close with a clip, which um, I'm also going to use. You can't do that. That's never, Objection. ever been established in the history. Never been established before. You can't close with a clip. I think I did it. Did I do it last time with the volcano? Or no, I, I thought I did. All right. We will review the clip. And if it is a kind of summarizing a piece, that's fine. But if it's new evidence, we will strike it. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm cool with that. I mean, it's already evidence. It's already evidence. You can't, you can't, in a, in a trial, you cannot submit a clip and your closing arguments. But this has nothing to do with the band. This has to do with us. It has to do with us three. You should have it's done it evidence. in the evidence section. Hey, Brandon, Brandon, I'm allowing it. Ugh. Hey, this isn't, this isn't the courtroom dramas you're watching. This is Judge Brave. Things happen a little differently here. Play the clip, Danny. I'll tell you if it's acceptable or not. Okay, it's audio. After you play it. Thank you. It's from our own show. Without looking, a part of me wants to just hear the chorus of Van Hagar. Oh, uh, please, can we do that? Come <laughs> on. Give me a quick look, then I'll inevitably go back to that. Uh, <laughs> just pick it. We have, you have two picks. Oh, I, oh really? Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, then definitely. <laughs> I forgot we were doing that. Okay, yeah. Do uh, Van Halen, Why Can't This Be Love, one minute in. Yeah, this is, a crim this is criminal that this went, didn't go forward. <laughs> I, I thought. It, criminal. <laughs> criminal. Could be a regret pick for somebody. It should be a regret pick for all of us. Here it is. Here's the chorus. Oh man, if this played the first minute, it would have beat one on one. I think it would have. This is sweet. <laughs> 
damn. <laughs> There's also a part in that song that. Do you guys remember the part in the song where he like kind of scats with the guitar? <laughs> Not really. No. no. Can you just play that too? Like, can I have maybe like three minutes into the song or something? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, then it comes back. <laughs> I right, completely forgot about that part of the song. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, that would have been a great contender, th- that part right there. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a contender for best minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Oh, I'm so happy with that. That's great. But hey, it's it's a tournament about matchups, and the first minute didn't cut it. It didn't cut it. It's the worst no, minute, maybe. Too much. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might have went too far with that clip there. Okay, so that was an audio <laughs> clip from DBPSN from Dan and Bray presents the 1980s Board Bills Boardament Wrap Up Show. Uh, part one. This is audio proof of all three of us in agreement of Sammy Hagar's excellence and skills. But most importantly, our current Judge Braves admission that this song should have done better in its respective tournament and his knowledge and obsession of a specific scatting moment in the track where it's the only time in the history of our board bills tournaments where he insists on breaking the rules and playing even more of a look back than we're supposed to. And only Sammy Hagar really has the power to do that. This Judge Braves is unda- undoubtedly a fan of this song, a fan this of this evidence. band and therefore a fan of this replacement this judge brave evidence. judge brave has never spoken positively of batman forever or val kilmer as a batman replacement in fact i think there's audio out there of him shitting on this movie i hate to use your own words against you judge but we both know who the better replacement is here there is no jury in judge brave there is only judge brave and i believe you'll make the correct decision here thank you this is evidence even if you're right this is evidence this is a mistrial if there's anything this is bullshit Okay, um, Dan, I'm gonna have to scrub that that video because it it was evidential. You you could have used it maybe in a different point. I don't know. I'm really out of. Uh, this is a really tough spot for me here. Strike it. Now it's in your head. So I like the content. Now it's in your head though. <laughs> you strike it. Now I, it's in your head though. Your own opinion is in your head that you said. I have audio proof of it. Thank you. Strike it. Fine. Strike it. Bullshit. <sighs> Danny, why'd you gotta do this, man? Yeah, you fucked yourself. <laughs> All right, let, let's. Before I say anything, let's just review what what I heard here today. I want to say from the jump, I think you guys both did a great job. Both you guys did your research clearly. <laughs> uh, unlike last time, I think you guys both rose to the plate. Uh, rose to the plate. I think you guys both brought it uh, evidentially. Um, and had some pretty interesting points, okay? Brandon, uh, I liked his argument that Kilmer just looks the part and sounds the part. That was a great piece of evidence. I didn't know much about the Batman chin. You showed many examples of the chin and how different people filled it out or didn't fill it out, and clearly Kilmer filled out the chin. Uh, Clearly he did the research in the voice department, and the detective part, I don't think we need it, but that was, I do think that was convincing enough to me that Kilmer uh, looked and sounded the part. Now, um, you also said that Kilmer was the pivot point of m- superhero movies in general and how now he kind of helped superhero movies be 
uh, as big as they are today. That part I didn't understand as much. I'll be honest with you. But I still liked the swing at it. You also said that Kilmer quit on his own terms, which showed that he had respect for the role. He took his role seriously. uh, And he's not the reason why Batman Forever is possibly a bad movie. He's actually a good part of it. It's other factors around him that maybe uh, caused the movie to be not as successful creatively, which I liked. And you also said he's kind of... um, He's kind of selfless in his own way. He knows he's a replacement. So these are all good points. Dan kind of went in a direction that was a little bit more traditionally, I'd say. He said that band relations were better when Sammy Hagar joined the band. Uh, Clearly, David uh, Lee Roth was a toxic uh, party in that band. So just in terms of them getting along and... Uh, wanting to do their job and uh, uh, feeling good about their job and having fun with their job, Sammy Hagar was a better person for that position. Um, He also said that they were more critically beloved. They received more nominations uh, as a band uh, with Sammy Hagar as the lead singer. And he also did some taking down of of Batman Forever, saying that uh, if you look at the critic scores for that film... Although it did well in the box office, it's not that well-received compared to the two uh, Keaton Batman movies. And then his last argument was that uh, Sammy Hagar let the band be more keyboard and synth synthy, uh, and thus they were happier creatively because that's the direction they wanted to go in, and David Lee Roth was not letting them go down that path selfishly. So... Both of you guys did a good job in saying, like, why they're good replacements, because they were kind of both selfless figures in their respective roles. Um, And then Dan also played a really great song that I ran to that I love. So that was a good point. That was a good point. Now we go to the closing argument. This is tough because I was also a little confused about about Brandon's point. I, I know he was trying to connect Kilmer to the pantheon of Batmans and saying that he's a better replacement because... He's more interchangeable almost like because he knew he was a replacement. So I don't know if that makes him a better replacement, him knowing he's a replacement, but I still appreciate it. Dan might've fucked himself over by just playing evidence, but I did allow the evidence to be played. So it's a little bit my fault too. What do I do here? Let it be known, if I lose from a technicality and not because I made a worse argument, I'm 100% cool with that, and the world will know that. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do here? This is what I'm going to do. I think because I allowed the evidence to be played, I will step down as Judge Brave (laughs) and leave the courtroom, and (laughs) that's it. I'm I'm no longer allowed to be judged because I I should have d- did what Brandon said and not let the very obvious bit of evidence be played in the closing statement uh, portion of the show. So I'm stepping away from Judge Brave. Um, it will be a mistrial, but also I'm uh, what is it called when you're? It's not necessarily disbarred. Well, I'm just resigning from my position. You could Judge Brave, if I may. If you want to permanently remove me as a litigator because of my corruption and breaking and attempt to break the rules, 
I could become judge <laughs> next time, maybe even permanently instead. <gasps> yeah, I think we might have to do that because, ye, you know, I'm clearly not cut out to be a judge, and you're clearly not cut out to be an attorney. So this will be considered a mistrial um, due to uh, corrupt uh, nature of both me and Dan. Which was already the plan anyway, so now I think you guys colluded. <laughs> No. No. Um, so that's it. But good job, everybody. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so no I can't believe he did that, Dan. That sucked. No decision. I didn't even think yeah. of it as evidence. I just thought it was funny. I, it is evidence, though. <laughs> well, not even just that. Just that you even saying the, the number one albums is evidence. Uh, yeah, I threw in another fact. <laughs> well, whatever. Van Hagar sucks. So is this just real talk now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hmm. In reality, I don't like Batman Forever at all. But I do think Val Kilmer is great as Batman. When I watched and I was surprised so much when I watched it how much I liked him. The movie is, like, unwatchable because of Jim Carrey. Pretty much only Jim Carrey. I actually think Tommy Lee Jones is having some fun. Uh, yeah. But it's a, it's a terrible character, like Tommy Lee Jones' character. And Chris O'Donnell is terrible. But, like, everything Kilmer and Kidman do is great. And the movie is, is not very good at all. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. I remember really liking that one. Maybe, maybe it is stupid now. It's been such a long time. Um, and Van Hagar does kind of suck, but that song is so good. That's Okay, yeah. So There's yeah, a few songs that are awesome. Yeah, and that and, song and, is for great. Sure. And by the way, the critic point I make, I had to stretch for awards. Their albums <laughs> get ripped to shreds by critics. The, the, right. the album reviews are terrible terrible like all, <laughs> even like the good albums like the the reviews dip significantly like even 5150 it doesn't it's not reviewed that well and then by the time you get to like balance like later all, it's horrible like it's terrible music <laughs> somehow they win and get nominated for more grammys and awards when they become more terrible it's it's crazy but um but it's mostly has to do with one song it mostly has to do with right now right now is so big that like got nominated for a bunch of stuff yeah, I probably should have tried to fit in the clip of Dave really wanting us to listen to more of Van Halen in the 1980s Look Back show. I should have probably put that into the evidence, but it didn't really fit in with anything else I was doing. So <laughs> so I, w I wanted to throw it in somewhere because I wanted to just show proof that Judge Brave loves Van Hagar and use that against him. It, uh, <laughs> it was a risky move. and it, it w Yeah. <laughs> but I wish you um, also found evidence of me like saying how i don't like batman forever i know too. i thought about it i was i just have no idea what even episode that would be i don't i like but my case my thing was most of my case had not a lot to do with the, the quality of the movie right, like, right. And I, yes. listen, i'm yeah. proud of my case and i actually really stand by it i do think he like is a great replacement for Keaton. no i love the chin thing so i was like oh my god this is i this thought is, that was the chin thing was the is so good yeah. yeah i was obsessed with that <laughs> when you said you had a case to make was that what you were thinking of Brandon but no it's that that it my the first thing that popped into my head was that Batman and Robin changed the course of superhero movies forever and they wouldn't have felt confident to pivot away from one movie if Val Kilmer didn't already do it well with one movie right like I, okay. I felt like they wouldn't have been confident to bail on the idea to bail on the idea of one movie with one Batman but they said oh well we can do it because it happened in okay already yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else like 
Oh yeah, I, God, so the Van Halen documentary stuff is so great. Um, like them just all hanging out together. I mean, they really were. They really did seem a lot happier. But the destruction of the band, like when Van, when Hagar leaves, is arguably worse than when David Lee Roth left too. When he when Hagar left, like he, I think he kind of hated. It's really, it's really kind of the Van Halen's the brothers that are like the real problem here. Like they're like just it seems that just way, tough right. to work with. Because they kicked out Michael Anthony in a weird way. <laughs> and like the thing is, David Lee Roth, he wasn't wrong. He was like, the synth direction sucks, and he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of it, <laughs> like and a lot of it, he's like, what are we doing? But the thing is, he had like a, he was in a tough spot because like it was their biggest hit with the synth stuff. Jump is by far their biggest song, and it, right. and, it and like and it had the synths. Um, and he was fun. He wanted to do more shows, and Eddie was like, no, I just want to do like a few stadium shows, like. So, toxic environment, maybe, but David Lee Roth was like, he wasn't wrong. Like, he wanted to just continue the party, and they, and Eddie Van Halen didn't want to continue the party. He wanted to do something yeah. different, so. Their music becomes way more serious, like. Yeah. <laughs> under um, Sammy Hagar's rule. Not rule, but like. Uh, right. And it's, it's. But, like, it's it's too serious for Van Halen. It's, it's, it's not why Van Halen is good. Yeah. It's because and it's, they're, like, a party band. It's not um, it's not a bad live show with Hagar, but, like, watching clips, it's not even close. David Lee Roth <laughs> live with them. Oh, my God. Dude, it's yeah. so great. It's so great. And yeah. Also, wait, I can't believe that guy said he's the most talented, like, singer <laughs> yes, ever. Yes, that was a it's real quote. It's definitely not true. From Todd Templeman. This is not true. Dude, Templeman, also in that quote, he says he wanted to do, like, a Prince thing. With with Hagar, he wanted to help him like produce some kind of like a Prince type album because apparently he claimed huh? he claimed that Hagar had soul. It was like an insane quote. I considered for a minute using the acapella David Lee Roth "Hot for Teacher" <laughs> as a piece of evidence and not say anything. Just play. I, I wish you did. I yeah, I, I, mean, re- I, I really almost did that. <laughs> oh I d- that's the thing I did wish you did was have like an evidence against why Sammy Hagar sucks. Cause I think that's an easy, right. Yeah. I'm not easy. I think it's a fun, a fun I know. thing I kn- to do. I think I it's know. like, it would have made your case better. I should have tried. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I should have done that with Al Kilmer too. Like some moment where maybe his acting seems bad or something. Like I should have, but Kilmer might be too good. That's he actually thing. is pretty He's good. great. He's like, if really, we're not the movie Batman forever, yeah. I think you have an easy case. Right. But. Like I, also, I purposely yeah. didn't I purposely didn't play a clip of him with Tommy Lee Jones or <laughs> Jim right. Carrey because right. like even right. though he's good they're so distracting that it makes right. it look bad. All right, cool. Well, let's end it here and uh <laughs> season 5 Judge Bray, but I think we just learned that maybe going forward we have a better judge in Dan and a better attorney in me and Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, we, hey. might, we might do permanent roles going forward. Yeah. I don't know. I was happy with my lawyer work on this episode. No, uh, you did a great job. But I, yeah. I did cheat. I, I, could, I definitely cheated. But, I mean, I didn't think of it as cheating at the time. I, just, I thought, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it, it clearly is. <laughs> it clearly is. Oh, I wanted to say I, I had talked to a listener of the show, Bruno, fan of the show, been on the show before, former guest. His direction that he suggested, and I really I should have tried to do this, is that Val Kilmer is too handsome for to be Batman. He's too handsome. Oh. That was something Bruno yeah. suggested. That like yeah, he's, he's too good looking. I didn't go into the Bruce Wayne part, but he is like the best Bruce Wayne. He's my favorite Bruce Wayne. Like Christian Bale is a great uh a great Bruce Wayne, but he's still a little too psychotic and not sad enough. And I think Kil- Kilmer like gets the sadness right. really well. 
like, yeah, he is he is very handsome. I could have gone a direction that like you know modern billionaires are like these tech nerd awful looking guys like uh, right. Like right. Bezos or Bill Gates or something. Yeah, good point. And like yeah, that's, I thought about going and like have just have one piece of evidence that's just a sole anti Val Kilmer's looks. <laughs> like I could, I thought about that. That would have been pretty good because yeah, he's just too that, handsome. He's got that chin, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Judge Brave uh, for season five. We'll be back doing uh, Bravo of '98 next, right? Is that right? That's right. That's yeah. the next episode. Um, so signing off, this has been uh, presenter Brandon, uh, leadoff hitter, opening track. Uh, I'm going to try to come up with some nicknames like Dan. Um, the, uh, prologue, Brandon. Uh, presenter Danny here. I've been disbarred as a lawyer, but in our universe, you're still allowed to be judge. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I think so, graduated to judge. Yeah, so I'm still, yeah, so it's very corrupt. Um, but yeah, my courtroom. It's like Gotham City. With my courtroom, yeah. I'll allow a ton of corruption. I want to make that clear. Like I'm, I'm full corrupt, fully pro corruption in a number of different ways. Maybe we can bring bring back Bailiff Barn. He had the gun. I'm all about like right. vi- violence in the courtroom, like with intimidation. guns, intimidation tactics. Like that's that's my courtroom. But I respected Dave's courtroom, Judge Dave. We could say goodbye to Judge Dave, uh, Diamond Dave. But I am uh, I'm presenter uh, Danny. Number two, saying goodbye to being a lawyer for a while. It, it's too hard. <laughs> and I am uh, Dave Cologne, formerly Judge Brave. Uh, I now, I got um, this bar. What is the term for for not being a judge? Um, Dejudged? I don't know, because I don't know if you could even, I feel like they're like appointed for life. Oh, unless shit. something like wild happens. I don't know. You probably have to. Com- I can resign, though. I resigned, basically. Yeah, okay. I resigned. resigned. Uh, I am hanging up my robe. Actually, no, I'm going to keep the robe. I like the <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll wear the robe as an attorney. But, uh, hey, I can't wait to be back uh, finding my evidence, doing my research, and making arguments against Brandon. I'm Dave Cologne. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Court adjourned. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Danden Brave Presents. If you like the kind of thing you heard today, why not please rate and review us on iTunes? You can follow us on Twitter at Danden Brave and on Instagram at Danden Brave Presents. God bless you all. And may forgotten podcaster Danden Brave live on forever in our ears.